0: America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hi everyone, welcome to The Next Normal in collaboration with America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. We're in such a beautiful time because there's room for growth. There's a lot happening inside of us, outside of us, in the environment, and everything is happening because of a thought. Right now we're needing to have really deep, intimate conversations with ourselves to be able to recognize the sweetness and the power and the purity that is inside of our personality. I was thinking to myself the other day, why is it that it looks like everyone seems so frustrated? Like, no one has any patience for lack of taking care of yourself on the inside. You know, I want to have a heart-to-heart conversation with our special guest today, Connie Zweig, Ph.D., who is a retired therapist, co-author of Meeting the Shadow and Romancing the Shadow, and author of Meeting the Shadow of Spirituality and a novel, A Most of the Flame, The Life of Sufi Poet Rumi. Oh, I love me some Rumi. Her new best-selling book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, extends her work on the shadow into midlife and beyond and explores aging as a spiritual practice. Connie, I can't wait to talk to you. It won several prestigious awards, and Connie has been doing contemplative practices for more than 50 years. She's a wife, stepmother, a grandmother. After all, these roles, she's practicing the shift from role to soul. Welcome, Connie, to America Meditating and the Next Normal. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Sister Jenna, for having me.
0: Lovely. So, Connie, you've had a really successful career teaching and writing. You write about the shadow. Could you define that for us? What is the shadow, and how did you get so interested in such a topic? Because it's some deep work when you start to talk about shadow. It's not so easy.
1: This is true. So... In my fourth career, in my 40s, I decided to go back to graduate school and become a psychotherapist and serve people in that way. I had begun reading Carl Jung, and the reason for that was that I had started meditation at age 19. And so I had already been meditating for more than a couple of decades when I went back to school. And I couldn't really find much psychology that was connected to spirituality, except for Jung. So when I discovered his work, I started avidly reading it. And I found that he coined the term shadow to refer to the personal unconscious. That part of us that holds our forbidden, denied, unacceptable, Thoughts, feelings, beliefs, actions, fantasies, aspirations. Part of what was really interesting to me was the popular perception of that was all negative, that the shadow holds our evil inclinations. But for Jung, he said the essence of the shadow is pure gold. The unconscious contains everything that is repressed in our childhood and not expressed or lived out. So, for example, if you have a talent in painting or drawing or music, and that's not valued by your family, it's even diminished or devalued, then that gets buried in your shadow. And so for many people, that begins to erupt, especially in transitions like midlife and later life. And we start to dream about the lives that we haven't lived and those parts of ourselves that we haven't expressed. And so that really caught my attention. And so I put together an anthology called Meeting the Shadow, and it was a big hit. And I realized that it was meeting a need that people wanted to explore more deeply and expand their self-knowledge. So then in collaboration with a colleague, I wrote Romancing the Shadow and developed a method to work with this material when it erupts. So when we meet a shadow, say, in an addiction or compulsive behavior, or we meet a shadow in a relationship where we're projecting onto somebody else, or we meet a shadow in our dreams Part of us hmm. is acting out in a way that we never would in our waking life. So how do we work with that? And so romancing the shadow is about how to do shadow work.
0: Beautiful. You know, I look at it in Sanskrit. There's a word called sanskars, Connie. If you've ever heard it? And yes, of course. It's so deep rooted, and there are two vibrational frequencies of the sanskars. The shadow, which has an acronym I use a lot, algae. Anger, lust, greed, attachment, and ego. And the part that you had mentioned that Jung said, that it was your pure essence, the pure shadow, where there's love and peace and purity and truth and joy. And I love the way that you coined this, romancing the shadow, that there has to be a love for all of that that's tucked so deep into your sanskaras, right?
1: Yes. So, you know, I'm a student of Vedanta. And so I'm very familiar with samskaras. And those are the impressions that are left in our consciousness as we live our lives. And the idea is that those impressions create further actions and their consequences. And so one of the intentions of meditation is just to begin to release our samskaras. So I've always taught meditation in conjunction with shadow work. Because then we're not trying to use spirituality to bypass our difficult issues, our emotional problems, our limitations. We're using them in conjunction with each other. And that gives us a whole different potential for healing and awareness.
0: And what's interesting is that the meditation, it does help you to release those shadows, the algae which is actually holding us back and making things so complicated. Have you ever seen somebody in life, Connie, where they did everything right and stuff just always turned up rotten potatoes for them? Yes. And that they become confused. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my life? I've done everything right. It's the shadows. Yes, that's right. I got you
1: Jung said, that which we don't make conscious appears in our lives as fate. So what happens as we begin to age, as we move past midlife, and we begin to have all these fears about growing older or getting ill or dying, and we start to experience loss of friends and family, what I've discovered is that when we meet the shadows of age, we can actually reshape our experience of later life we can begin to age more consciously. And here's why. There's a researcher at Yale University named Becca Levy who has spent her whole career studying the unconscious beliefs and images and attitudes about age in people. And what she found is that they affect our memories, they affect our health, our cardiac health, they affect our longevity, They affect quality of our retirement, and this is the new book, The Inner Work of Age. If we can begin to meet the shadows of age and uncover, let's say, what I call the inner ageist, the part of us that's denying and resisting this issue, or we can begin to uncover the doer, the part of us that resists slowing down and doing contemplative practice then we can actually reshape how we experience our later life.
0: And this is
1: now confirmed by research.
0: I believe you. Well, let's talk about your newest book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, and for us to really examine what does that really mean. And one of the things I like that you mentioned about Becca Levy from Yale, what really are those sanskaras? What are those deep-rooted subconscious emotions that we serve without even knowing, Connie, that's aging us. Please tell me, because I really want to be ageless.
1: We serve without really knowing is a beautiful statement. In other words, our lives are run by these psalms or what I call shadow characters, these parts of us that are outside of the boundaries of awareness. So let's give an example. We have a pretty anti-aging society, a lot of messaging in advertising in the media about how difficult it is to grow old, how unattractive it is, how useless and irrelevant we may become. Often from a very young age, I found this in my practice, that from a young age, people watch their grandparents become depressed and feel useless not know how to give their gifts. And then they watch it happen to their parents. And so throughout the lifespan, these shadow characters or some scars are forming around aging. And with interviews of young children now, there's research interviewing kids about what they think about growing old and all their responses are very negative. So from a young age, we're carrying these impressions. And yet, we're all aging at the same time. And so we're carrying them within us. Becca Levy calls them embodied stereotypes. I call them shadow characters. And so then what happens? We reach 55, 65, 75. And we're serving these inner figures without even knowing it. So let me give you an example. I mentioned the inner ages. When I discovered this part of myself, this unconscious part that was resisting and denying growing older, that didn't want to be like those people. I was othering older people and projecting, attributing negative qualities to them. Because as a kid, I had no positive models of an elder, none, no grandparents. And then I started to remember all these messages from TV shows when I was a child. And they were really stereotyped and patronizing toward older people. So no wonder, right? But here I was, now I was becoming one of them. And I wanted to engage this differently. I wanted to engage it spiritually and psychologically so that I could age well and age consciously. And so I began to research what was available in this field. And there was nothing about the shadow. That's why I ended up writing the book because there was nothing about the unconscious attitudes. There's a lot of books about aging, hundreds and hundreds of them. But they're all about aging from the outside in. Housing, financial planning, healthcare. They aren't about aging from the inside out for those of us engaged with deep spiritual practice. So that's what happened. And it was very shocking for me to find this inner agent. And I began to work with it and discovered a lot about myself. And then I decided to retire from my clinical practice. And I uncovered another shadow character, the doer, who did not want to slow down, who did not want to disengage or feel invisible. And I started interviewing people. I interviewed hundreds of people about this who were terrified of becoming irrelevant and yet didn't know how to become an elder at the same time because we have no rite of passage.
0: Can I jump in right there? Because, honey, I'm actually at that point where I'm thinking of slowing down and then I feel so out of sorts. And then I say to myself, there's a reason why my soul is in the body. There's a reason why the soul is given these five senses. And why can't I just enjoy and explore living as much as I can? And I know what I'm actually trying to articulate to myself is just find a good balance, that's all. And once you can find a good balance, you'll be okay. Don't you agree?
1: Well, I don't look at it as balance. That works for some people. As you know, in India with the ashramas, the late stages of life, first wear brahmacharya then grihasta, householder, then Vanaprasta, grandparent, and then sannyasin. And so the teaching is that as we age, we become more and more engaged in spiritual practice. And every single spiritual tradition has that teaching. That this time, this stage of life is about spiritual practice. So it's not only about slowing down and doing nothing, It's not only about finding balance between work and play or family or leisure. It's about deeper interiority. So here's what I mean by role to soul. And I borrowed that term from the spiritual teacher Ram I did not coin the term. It was his. So we are identified with our roles throughout our lives. I am a writer, I am a shadow expert, I am a radio interviewer, I am an author, I am a CEO, I am a nurse, I am a teacher, I am a mother, I am a grandmother, and we believe that's who we are. Yeah. And this time of life is to let go of that identification, all those past roles, and move to identify with our spiritual essence.
0: It's interesting because the more the soul uses its energy to keep being attached to those labels, it's like it's not regenerating.
1: Yes.
0: It's using energy. It's losing energy unless you have a link to source where you're constantly replenishing the soul. Many people are not having a consistent link. They have a link either when they want it or, you know, by magic or something mystical or maybe ritualistic every Sunday. But imagine this, everyone who's watching right now and listening in. If your soul, which is an energy, it's an energy container, it's like a fuel in a car. And if you keep using it without refueling, it's like you're pulling everything from the cells of your body that it really starts to sh- shrivel up. I believe that. And when we have these attachment to all these limited... Ideas, it does drain the energy. And that's why I think there's really the importance of the inner work that Connie's talking about. You know, nowadays, many of us are looking at our inner being, and we really want to come to a place, Connie, where we feel healthy inside out. How does the inner ageist affect our health?
1: Well, that's the shadow character, the unconscious part of us, that rejects aging, that rejects what is. The body is growing older. We may or may not believe that the soul is growing older. We may believe the soul is ageless. We may believe the soul goes on after the body dies, or we may not. I mean, people have different beliefs about metaphysics and spirituality. But the body is aging. And if we are in denial of that because we're in service to the inner ages, then what happens? First of all, we may not do our self-care, really care for the body and give it the attention that it needs. Also, we may not face our mortality. And with the loss of mortality awareness, we may not experience the urgency of the time we have left. So if we really look at the limited time horizon, so for me, I have 73 years of life experience. I don't know how much time I have left. But I experience the moments differently now because I'm acutely aware that there are fewer of them remaining. Whether my soul lives on or not, just in terms of my conniness in this body, there's a lot less time. But if we're in denial of that, like someone said to me this week, well, I'm 67. I have plenty of time. On one level, that's true. And on another level, it's not true. She's in denial that her body is now in the later stages of life. And anything can happen. She may get sick. She may not. She may live for another 25 years because people are doing that now. But the point is that We don't know, and if we don't carry that mortality awareness, which for me is part of becoming an elder, if we're in denial of that, then we can't really become an elder because it doesn't create the urgency for us to give our gifts.
0: I was at a conference last week. I turned to a colleague to my right, and we were just having a basic little chit-chat, and I said to her, I swear, I just want to live to like 150. She just looked at me and she says, What? I don't want that. And I just says, I just want to. I mean, just think about carrying the wisdom of that same soul in that same chariot, looking through the world with those eyes of curiosity and adventure and, you know, accepting that defeat really isn't defeat. It's a means of moving you forward and, showing you something else. Can you imagine, Connie, how exciting it would be to actually value every moment of your life? You're really offering us something incredible about the soul, and I wanna thank you for that. I'm sure many people really don't understand the depths of what you're teaching and offering because it really is liberating for anyone to actually recognize the energy of the soul, the sanskaras or the shadows, And to be able to have a conversation to romance that so that you don't have to stay in this little bottle in this incarnation for the whole of this incarnation, you might be able to just enjoy many bottles of you. And also,
1: you know, to recognize in this stage of life that it's not about what we do or don't do. It's not about more volunteering or more leisure or more work, encore career. It's about the quality of spiritual awareness that we bring to what we do. And I look like a workaholic with everything I'm doing now. But internally, that's not my experience. I'm not the doer. I'm freed of the doer now. And I'm not attached to the outcomes in the same way. My ego is not controlling the agenda in the same way. I've made this internal shift from what I do to who I really am.
0: Is that where you're becoming a sage now? Because is there a difference between becoming a senior and elder or a sage? Are you in your sage stage?
1: Well, for me, elder and sage are the same. But yes, the shift from being a senior when we have a Medicare birthday to becoming an elder. And as you said, elders connect to something greater than ourselves, something greater than the ego. We have a spiritual connection to the infinite. We have mortality awareness so that we don't deny that we're here for a shorter time and the moments are precious. And we have a connection to the shadow, our own issues and limitations, and no longer allowing them to get in our way and sabotage our intentions. And so for me, those are the three portals of awareness of an elder.
0: You talk about conducting a life review. What's the purpose of that?
1: Well, there are many practices in the book, lots and lots of them for shifting from role to soul and also for completing our emotional homework and our spiritual homework as we prepare for life completion. So a life review is a beautiful practice of graphically displaying the decades of our lives, the key moments and key relationships, key traumas, key breakthroughs and insights that we went through. And this is a traditional tool for older adults. And then what I've done is added the shadow to it. The traditional life review is the ego's story or the hero's journey, what we've lived out. But there's an unlived life in the shadow. We were speaking earlier about what gets repressed or buried in the shadow. So you learn how to connect what was expressed in a particular decade of your life with what was repressed and if you begin to find that something was repressed or buried in the shadow that you want to express now that you want to use this time now to explore let's say it's a creative project or a dream an aspiration of some kind or like for example I have a friend who's 75, and he said to me, if I don't write this novel now, I'm going to die with regret. And so he is spending his 70s writing this novel that he's dreamed about all his life, but couldn't do because he had to earn a living. And so the purpose of the life review is to help us complete our self-expression, our dreams and talents. Maybe we have a talent that we never really We're able to explore because other things required our time. So for me, that's the purpose of the life review. And, you know, it's also about, you know, the word dharma. It's also about uncovering the thread that joins together the seemingly random moments of our lives. And when we find the dharma or the Tao of our lives, we can begin to see that Things that happened were not by chance, were not random events or people, but they actually had patterns and synchronicities. And what I saw was that my four careers had the same mission, which I call my soul's mission. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but my soul's mission is transmitting information about consciousness. And that emerged for me when I did the life review.
0: Wonderful. I know we're coming to an end to our wonderful time together and there is a part that you have spoken about emotional repair at a later life. I thought that was really important and I'd like for you to touch a little bit on that, you know, that emotional repair at a later part of your life and that spiritual repair. Share with us maybe one or two things that we can do to start the process.
1: Well, so many of the people I interviewed, wanted to give or receive forgiveness. And they didn't know how to go about it. And they felt that if they didn't do that, they would die with regret. And so there are many ways to explore what you need to say to someone or what you need to hear from someone in order to feel complete with that relationship. So that's one example of emotional repair. And spiritual repair has a few levels. Part of it is reevaluating our beliefs. If we're just kind of carrying the religious or spiritual beliefs that we had in our childhood without ever re-examining them, then as we approach death, we're not really doing it consciously. For example, I had a client who had been doing Buddhist meditation practice for many years. But when we explored underneath that, he had this image from his Catholic childhood of a pope-like figure yelling at him that he was gonna go to hell for his sexual fantasies. Some shadow work needed to be done there because his Buddhist practices had simply been laid on top of his Catholic programming. So that's one level of spiritual repair. Another level is really finding a contemplative practice that fits who you are now. You know, that's very different for different people. Some people align with a lineage and some don't. Some people can sit very still and some can't. Some are more introverted. Some are more extroverted. And so there are many practices in the inner work of age for all kinds of people to find in later life. To work emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and begin this journey into conscious aging, into really becoming an elder in our later years, and exploring how we can give back as elders. I mean, this book is my legacy. It's my final gift. When you find your legacy, there's a great feeling of gratitude that rises up. I feel deeply grateful now for the way that my life unfolded and for the opportunities I've been given to use my talents and give back to people.
0: Thank you for doing that. And congratulations. Thank you for leaving us this legacy behind because I'm sure it's going to help so many of us to find some clarity. Connie's Wake, leave us with a website that would be best for us to find you and Our deepest appreciation for you joining us on air today. It was very informative and meaningful. Thank you. Thank you you so so much,
1: much, Sister Jenna. So you can find my workshops and a lot of recorded interviews on ConnieZweig.com. If you read the book and you would like to read it together with other people and you're interested, I'm calling these groups Wisdom Circles. There are about 50 groups of people now who are joining together to age in community and they're exploring the book and the practices in community and getting to know each other. And it's been really beautiful. So if that is of interest to you, you can shoot me an email, connieswide at gmail.com and just put wisdom circle in the subject line. Please don't send me a long story because I can't get too many of those, but I will connect you with other people who are interested in a wisdom circle.
0: Thank you, Sister Jenna. Much Much love. love. Thank you so much. Same here. Bye-bye. Well, folks, Connie has left us with so many things to ponder on today to really help us to do the inner work. That's all we need, you know. A lot of us talk about self-care, but we don't know how to do that from inside out. It's easier to do it outside in, they say, when not really. There's nothing more precious than actually realizing something so sublime and so powerful and beautiful about you that was tucked away in those shadows or in that sense or in that part of you that you just didn't know existed. I love the point when Connie was sharing, you might have a talent and your family's like, no, you can't paint, you can't do art. It represses you, you know. How many good things are in you that you've wanted to emerge and you've just been pushing it back? Maybe a comment, maybe you think it's time, maybe you think you're not worthy enough. Give all of that up. Please contact Connie for more information on her amazing book, and we want to thank her from the bottom of our hearts for helping us to believe more in who we are. Folks, remember no one has the capacity to take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And as we get wiser, older, and become our own sage, you realize that we're all here to love each other the same. So let's practice that some more. Take care, everyone, and see you again real soon. When I was asked by Sacred Stories Publishing to write a book on mystical divine experiences, initially I said, no, those are too private. But then when they came back again to urge me to do it, I said, why not? It'll be of service, because over 25 co-authors would be joining me on this journey to share their own experiences. In meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices, you will read stories from our co-authors of a heartfelt clarity about a father's death giving his son a new life. You will hear the story of a woman embracing her wounded inner child and healing herself. You will even hear stories about an inexplicable medical miracle and so much more. This book has a life of its own. You will learn how listening to your inner silence can help you overcome life obstacles and reclaim your spiritual power. I hope that you'll be able to dive deep into this and maybe even explore your own mystical and divine experiences for your life to change, for your life to become one that is completely full and rich of everything good. Enjoy, and thank you for looking into meditation, intimate experiences with the divine through contemplative practices. alley restaurant wishes you happy holidays located at 6838 Piedmont in Gainesville Virginia we're a family-owned restaurant and offer authentic Asian cuisine and sushi come savor our delicacies made with love and enjoy the perfect ambiance we look forward to seeing you there